Hi, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. We'll get into the Q&A, and then maybe I'll jump around to brush over some of the content that I skipped as well. But if you have any questions, you can go to Slido, sli.do, code is MyCTS. First one is, can we as Christians attend a same-sex wedding, or would that be supporting, promoting a sinful union lifestyle? That's a great question. Remember what I told you that our presence communicates a certain testimony, right? Like where I stand also gives an implication, okay? And so that's where it gets a little tricky because implications are not always clear and obvious, right? Like sometimes um, you can't really find the lost sheep until you go out into a place you don't really belong, okay? Um, So in that case, I I, I think my presence in a location like that would have its implications, right? But regardless of like those implications, there's going to be good and bad to it. Attending a a wedding of um, like a homosexual marriage, um, it it will communicate that I I love you no matter what, right? does it say I, I support this because I'm here and my presence is a, a testimony or affirming the legitimacy of this marriage? And I think for a marriage, there is definitely that component, um, just like somebody who's present at my ordination. If you're present at my ordination as a priest, uh, Sayyidina said, if you guys agree, say Aksiyos. If you didn't say, I don't agree, then your presence is a testimony of agreement, right? So there are actually some weddings, not just because there's an issue of uh, the same sex, but even in a heterosexual relationship that I refused to go. And it's not because it was a homosexual marriage. Because me as a priest can, can communicate something different than an individual. Um, and your relationship with that person, whether you can say, hey, I'm going here for you because I love you, and it doesn't change the fact that I disagree with the way you're living. You know, if that's possible to communicate. Um, because now you're going to be sending mixed signals. Wait, you're attending, do you approve, do you not approve? So it's very complex. So I don't want to just reduce the situation to, oh, go, don't go, Right? So I don't know if that answered your question, and uh, I need the code. (laughs) Don't chat it out. This is is going on the podcast. (laughs) All right. So I I apologize. I didn't really give you a clear-cut answer for that, but it's not a question you can answer without a case-by-case basis. Okay, do we have to isolate ourselves from this community, like Jesus said, run away to your life? Or like how Lot lived in some... Um, So yeah, we have no business participating in a sinful life. Like St. Paul says, what fellowship does light have with darkness? Right. So we have to flee from any sin... And if you read the Ladder of Divine Ascent, St. John Climacus talks about 
exile, renunciation, and detachment as the first three steps before even talking about virtues like love or obedience or any of these amazing qualities like prayer. First is just to detach. So it's important to detach and to do that in a wise way, to do that in a way of love. You know, if somebody's struggling with something, you don't say, oh, I disagree with this, we're no longer friends. Because I think maybe that's precisely when that friend needs you. Um, so depending on who you are and how deep your roots go and to pray, to be wise and get the direction of your father confession, I think it's important to um, take all of that into consideration and do your best to avoid any sort of sinful influences. What's your answer for a man telling you, don't say to me, he, tell me she? Are you going to follow or give him a lesson or keep quiet? <laughs> man. If I'm in New York, I'm even forking up 250 grand or <laughs> losing a job, <laughs> even if I don't want to use any pronouns. So there's a right and a wrong way to love. This question isn't just about the truth. Oh, he is a woman or he is a man, right? The, the, the right and wrong way to love is really at the core of this question, okay? And I don't really want to get into the issue of freedom of speech because as important as that is, that's not really my concern, although it is so significant, like our right for freedom of speech and, you know, if somebody's compelling you to say a certain pronoun, why not compel you to say something else tomorrow? And it's just going to continue, right? So where does it end, right? I wouldn't compel anyone to address me as Father Joseph. All of my Protestant friends just call me Joseph. And I think it would be rude for me to demand that. That's my prefix. I, I am a priest, and it's not even like I'm pretending. I could show you my records for my ordination. <laughs> but if you don't recognize that, that's your right. You have a right not to address me however you want. I think we cross the line whenever we insult someone. I don't have the right to just say whatever I want, but I can omit a certain title. If I go to my primary care physician and I don't call him doctor, if I go to Joe and I don't say Dr. Joe, it's not, I'm not mandated by law to do that, right? And so there's an agenda here. The, the pronoun issue is not even about whether it's a matter of kindness or not. And, and to be honest with you, at first, like I would say about a year ago when it's really started to surface, I was like, just love and respect, you, you know, go with it. If that's their preference, what's the big deal? Just say he, she, whatever. Like, and I was really firm on that. That's the way to love and to show respect, go with their preference. I actually seem to be on the exact opposite side right now. And so, let me read to you a quote from Benjamin Cabe on gender and the soul, the book on gender and the soul. So the world is trying to force us into linguistic traps. The militant campaign under the name of human rights is trying to bully us into using the pronouns preferred by each individual. But Orthodox Christians in the 21st century would do well to take up their cross in opposing this modern Caesar and, if necessary, face the wild animals in the Colosseum. 
We are not in the business of reinforcing lies that prevent the freedom of the human being. Our goal is to proclaim true freedom in Christ. So for me to affirm a misconception about you is not love. If an anorexic person comes in here and says, I need you to call me fat because that's who I am, I'm not going to call you fat. And for you to claim that it's a matter of respect for me to follow your preference, I think then we clash with our rights because my freedom is to hold to, onto the truth that, that I value, right? Just as your freedom is to identify however you want. I identify however, I don't force you to identify me according to my perspective. Okay, so let's say Sammy's a great deacon. Let's say he comes and says, right now I feel like a priest because you know I served an altar today and I need you to call me Father Sammy. And I'm not being facetious. I'm not. What if Sammy really feels like a priest? Let's, let's set the jokes off to the side. Honestly, set the jokes off to the side for one second. Let's say Sammy really feels like a priest. And he comes in here, I need you to call me Father Samuel. I, I have uh, a good voice. I can serve. I, I can swing the censer even better than half of the priests in the diocese. I know all of the prayers. I'm a priest. That's how I feel. Like, no, Sammy, I can't go with that. If you remember, there was a woman, what's her name? Rachel Dolesall, you guys heard of her, remember her? It's a white lady that identified as a black lady. Yeah? Jason's shaking his head, I remember. And so she identified as, I guess it's transracial. Okay? Now, it's not my place to judge the person. She identifies as black, but that's not the reality. I can say, I get that you identify that way. I can go to Sammy, I see that you feel like a priest. And I can listen. I can actively listen. I can acknowledge that. I see that you feel that way. I understand that you feel that way. I see how this is really how you identify. But I can't go along with that. Okay? And the issue now is, for you to just say, I can't go along with that, is illegal. And that's where we know this is an ideological issue. For a professor and a high school teacher to lose their job, just say, okay, a man identifies as a woman, and this man has the pronouns she, her. Okay, I don't think you're an actual woman, so to just meet halfway, I'm not going to use any pronouns. That's still unacceptable. You get fired. You see where, like, there's an agenda, and that's why we need to be careful. And so, aside from that, theologically, that's not how God deals with us. Think about the parable of the prodigal son. Whenever the prodigal son was going back home, what was he rehearsing in his mind? And I remember that moment. He came to himself, he said, I will go back to my father, and I will say, I have sinned against heaven and earth. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son, so make me as what? One is your hired servant. Is he a servant? He went back to his father. And as soon as his father saw him, he fell on his neck and kissed him. Embraced him. And just as he was rehearsing, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And then stops him right there. I will not allow my son to alter his identity 
Because you're not a servant. You're my son. And, and to do that would be to allow the individual to denigrate his dignity. Okay? And trust me, the father had no issue giving his son freedom. Like, he was willing to go with this ridiculous request to take his inheritance. So the father was willing to go with just about anything, but not this. You see? Because this is a matter of identity. You know, for you, I'm sure you have to consider all of the factors. Like, you might lose your job by saying, this is where I draw the line. And so I don't think God wants you to just throw away your job either. Um, There's maybe a way to just navigate around it with love. To say, like, I see that you identify this way. I I just want to call you by your name, and that's it. You know, maybe you could reach a mutual agreement there. But point is, this is an ideological issue. And, And if we even look at this theologically, anthropologically, God does not deal with us this way. Okay? And even in psychology, there's this concept of affirmative care, like affirmative therapy, where you affirm what the person says. Okay? Um, And that's typically placed in opposition with reparative therapy or conversion therapy. That's a false comparison as if they're two opposites because they're not. But whenever you you look at the psychology and even uh, affirmative therapy, you don't just tell the person who's anorexic, yes, you're fat and I just go with it. You say, I hear you. You affirm in a sense of, I acknowledge. But you don't validate this misconception. You don't confirm the misconception. And that's precisely what's even happening in psychology. So, read to you what Abigail Schreier says from Irreversible Damage. It's undeniably the current professional mandate of therapists and psychiatrists and even endocrinologists and pediatricians to accept and affirm the self-diagnosis of gender dysphoric patients. The American Psychological Association guidelines even recommend that mental health professionals take affirmative involvement as allies in the transgender community, insisting that what trans-identified patients need is respectful treatment that addresses their gender identity in an affirming manner, right? This isn't about active listening or acknowledging. That's different. This is, I'm affirming what you believe. And I think that's what happens with these pronouns, and that's why uh, I don't think it's healthy for us to just go with it. Okay, next question. He knows your code? a healthy marriage. <laughs> See? That's why the girls are going to do well. Okay. Does the church believe sexuality is a choice? I think the, the church always aligns itself with the science, and the science is clear that it's really not much of a choice. Okay, and so, you know, that begs a couple of other questions, because what is the person with the same-sex attraction is supposed to do. Like, these are real concerns. Like, how does, this, how does a person with the same-sex attraction 
find a lifelong partner. Think about that. You know, can't say, well, we'll cut you some slack. Just find somebody and, you know, make sure you're faithful to each other. Right? Because marriage, sexual activity within the marriage is between male and female. And so this is a very complex issue and the church still has to work out all of the kinks to really be a source of pastoral care in this situation. Okay? But it's not really a choice. Some people can carry that cross. In very, very, very rare cases, it changes. But again, those are very rare cases. But usually it's not only is it innate, but it's also immutable, according to what most, most of the research says. And there's also a lot to be said about the research for reparative therapy because it, it's really a mess and it's not as bad as the therapy suggests, and I'm willing to clarify that if, if I have enough time, but I clearly don't. <laughs> so, next question. Can someone who's LGBT take communion? How about someone in same-sex marriage? Anyone that is embracing a sin is cutting himself off from communion. A guy and a girl just hooking up out of marriage is no different than two guys hooking up. Okay? So, I think the issue with communion just comes down to the person's willingness. Um, do you want Christ and what He stands for? Do you want the truth that you're partaking? Because you're not just partaking of your own ideology. You're partaking of Christ, who's the way, the truth, the life, and what He stands for. So if that's what you want, then you're naturally inversely opposed to that sin. You're struggling with it. You could be in a homosexual relationship, but if you're struggling to break away from it, communion is precisely what you do need to break away from it. And I'm a huge advocate of taking communion during our struggles and whenever we're just numb to the sinfulness and the apathy and the indifferences in our life, communion is typically what awakens our conscience. So I'm a big advocate of taking communion so long as the person is intentional. Why is there so much attention given to sins related to sexuality and gender versus other sins like vanity, greed, which seem to be more prevalent in our society? Well, I mentioned that the biggest sin is pride and hypocrisy, and Christ condemns that. But the, the issue that this is requiring more attention is because nobody here is promoting the idea that it's fine to be arrogant. That's not controversial. So that's why we don't need to have a seminar about issues with arrogance. Yeah? I just talk about it in sermons and how we need to be humble, but there's nothing controversial about that. Does socializing with this community provide a way to be model of love, or is the way of misconstruing support or ally of their lifestyle? Jesus was with sinners. Great question. I, I, I can't see anything good coming out of like standing in a gay parade. And like if you know what they do, they like guys with G strings and 
like the women are dressed like nuns and they're making a mockery of religion and they're in this radical agenda. Okay, so we can't associate with that. But having friends with people that are different, whether it's because of their homosexual attractions or whether it's because of maybe they just smoke and they're working with that struggle, that's fine. So long as you're doing it in wisdom and you're doing it with the guidance of your father confession. You're doing it according to your maturity. Right? But I'm not just going to go to like a gay bar and say, hey, I'm here to support because Jesus is love. I'm not, not saying that to be facetious. I'm not. I'm being serious. Okay? okay, how can someone in the LGBTQ plus community and say they are Christian? Yeah, I don't think anyone who's Christian identifies with the community because the community has an agenda and it's anti-Christian. But there are people who are lesbian, bisexual, gay, trans, uh, asexual, two-spirited, like the, the whole letter is almost like the entire alphabet now. But there's people that identify as you know, individuals that, I, that struggle with those issues that are Christian. They just don't actually identify with the movement itself because that movement is not Christian. Yeah. So kind of like we were just talking about the radical activists from the LGBT plus community, they are anti-Christian because they're so well, some of them are, of course, but because there's so many extremist Christians that say they're going to hell, they're living in sin, they won't, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but I, but I haven't seen anyone from the LGBT community say that there's anything wrong or unnatural. Let's say saying the word normal is a trigger word, so you don't want to say that it, it's not normal. But nobody will say that this is opposed to God's design in the LGBT community, like the community, like the movement, the radical activists. And so they're the ones deciding whose side we're on. Yes. Oh, yeah. I see what you mean. Is that we show love, and that's how we're going to, I think, change everything. Oh, yeah. Like what you're talking about, showing compassion and love, and not saying, oh, there's that group. Yeah. The only point I want to highlight is that there's like a subtle evil in the movement that it's important to expose, as God says, to like, to, to, to expose the works of Satan, to expose evil, to expose sins. Because I think that's what's influencing us in these subtle ways, right? But to say that we shouldn't like hold signs denouncing LGBT community, that's to say the least, that, that we shouldn't do that. But a lot of people say like, well, we have no place to say that's wrong. And I think that's what I also want to keep the balance with. Because a lot of teens say, well, we have to accept and love. Who am I to say their perspective that you know, they're in opposition with God's order and his in intended design is actually wrong? Who am I to say that their views are wrong? That's not the right way to respond. Like St. Athanasius said, I am someone to say what's right and what's wrong. <laughs> so 
But there's a difference between like I'm rebuking you for it. And that's what like, I really want to highlight that balance and that fine line because when you say, who am I to say that abortion is wrong? That's not the Christian stands. No Christian should say, who am I to say this sin is wrong? Then we just walk around like I'm no one to speak for the truth. You see what I mean? I don't think you're in agreement. Tell me more. No, it's important. A lot of people. No, a lot of people. A lot of people feel this way. So I, I'm not. I'm not picking on you. I, I think it's important. It's important to, to talk about this. Okay, so we could, we could agree that we don't need to put it in their face. We don't need to post about it, right? Uh, unless there's a debate, then we can say, oh, let me actually shine light on the truth, okay? But like when your daughter asks you, mom, is abortion right or wrong? You're not going to say, who am I to say? I hope not. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let, let, I'll... <laughs> Experiencing anxiety at the moment. <laughs> Hang on one second, one second. And then I want to hear from, from both of you. Um, can we visit home with two living people together? It seems I think it kind of covered that with being present at a wedding or something like that. So you can visit the home of anyone. It's fine. Um, why shouldn't you tell a gay person that what they're doing is wrong? Um, it's not that you can't tell a gay person that what they're doing is wrong. Like if, like, whenever I see someone smoking, it's not like it's my job to go tell them, hey, that's going to probably cause cancer. And you have like a 19 times more likelihood of having lung cancer. And they just like put it in his face. But if, if we're talking and we're talking about the risks of smoking, then now it's my place to have that conversation, right? But um, I don't see him any less. Um, and it's not our place to just like shove the truth in people's face. Um, it's not even my place as a priest, let alone congregation members. Um, how we and our kids can live now in this world as we'll be at a point of the strangers. I kind of covered that earlier, to just be rooted in the church. Um, if Christ had a superior man, why is he doing the service of the church? I don't want to get into that question because it's loaded, um, and I won't have time for that. Jesus said the truth not everyone can accept. Accepting doesn't mean agreeing. At the end of the day, they crucified him, and this is what's going to happen to our kids' confusion. Yeah, that's why it's important to say, like, this is what's right and wrong, and to be willing to be crucified for it. Um, to have that conviction within your own heart, within your own family, not to walk around preaching to the world about what's right and wrong. But I want to leave you with this final thought about 
our sense of community. Um, whenever you think about what people are actually struggling with, they're, they're almost always alone. And that's what I really want to highlight. I want, you, I want you to walk away with that. Someone that I spoke to, let's call his name Bill, okay? Uh, Bill had this issue in his family and going through countless medications and therapy sessions, now actually going through like shock therapy for I think about like a 90-day treatment plan where they're literally hooking, hooking up electrodes to this person and, and trying to like rewire this person's mind. And this person is like consumed in so much pain. You know, right? like when I was talking to this person, it's just, it's, it's tragic because this issue is happening in his life. What you almost always realize is that this person has no one in his circle. Just like the person next door who's struggling with an issue and the person next door who's struggling with another issue. Because we're very private even in our Christianity. And that's not healthy. People just want to come to liturgy and leave. And that's not to say that liturgy should be like a community fellowship, socialization party. But what I'm saying is, this person told me, I can't tell anyone because no one will understand. And I broke down in tears. I was like, little do you know that countless other people are carrying crosses just as heavy. They just might put on a better face than you. That's because we walk around like we got it all figured out. I think it's time for us to be a little bit more honest with ourselves. Like, hey, like my son is struggling with this drug problem. I, can I talk to you about it? Not just like, you know, throw it out like that, but just to be honest and to, op- to open up to each other. And then to do that with the people you love. Not to just like post your laundry list online and to stand in the front of the church and say, hey guys, these are my issues so that we can all get on the same page. You know, that's not going to work. But we need to present our humanity to one another so that once this individual realizes that I'm a broken human being, one day when he's struggling with his brokenness, he'll say, ah, Abuna will understand. He never pretended to be all that. You with me? So let's conclude on that. Um, I'm sorry, I, I'm about to get stoned. If, but actually, okay, uh, forgive me. I wanted to hear more from your thoughts and more questions. And clearly from your attendance, your, your, your attention and the questions that this was really important and I think pretty well received. I, I would love to hear your thoughts personally, individually. So please, please, please talk to me on an individual basis. And maybe we could do more of this. I barely even got through half of my presentation today. So, like, there's a lot. And even if I had gone through everything that I planned to get through, that wouldn't even be scratching the surface either. So it's complex. We need to pray and to really trust in God and um, for his, His wisdom to guide us into the love and the truth of Christ. And to Him is due all glory forever. Amen. Let's all stand to pray.